You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's here. Happy October. Let's go, baby. Let's go. I'm so excited. We started opening day. And here we are. And here we are. It's been a it's been a long season, but at the same time, it feels like the season has gone by in about 15 minutes. Because we got four games left. Four. God. That's crazy. And so much can happen in the next four games, especially on the AL wildcard side, which we'll talk about. This is the Just Baseball Show. Today is Friday, October 1st. October 1st. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple. I may seem like I'm in a good mood right now, but I'm so pissed off. You have no idea. Talk to me. Parking citations. (laughs) They're horrible. I was visiting my girlfriend in Milwaukee. We'll get into Milwaukee in just a moment, but great town. Love the city. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving on Thursday morning, the 30th, and I see my windshield and I've got a parking ticket. I'm like, what's going on here? My girlfriend called my car in on that street overnight. They give me a, you know, no overnight parking ticket. I'm like, okay, I am going to raise hell. I'm going to raise hell right (laughs) now. So I drive my ass to downtown Milwaukee, right next to Pfizer Forum, home of the Bucks, and I walk into City Hall pretty much, right? And I You're go, a man on a mission at this point. I'm, a man, I'm so pissed off. I'm red with rage. I walk in. I say, hey, I'm looking for the traffic violations, you know, suite room. They say, oh, that's in a building a block and a half away. God, of course I it already- is. Why would, why would they make it easy? I don't know. They wouldn't make it easy. Of course so not. So I gave my backpack to the security checkpoint guy and I'm like, okay, give me that back. I got to go. I'm on, I'm on a roll. I got to go. I power walk. I go up to one entrance for this traffic violation building that's on its own. And I get up to entrance one. That's closed. You got to go around to that entrance garage level. I go oh, to that God. entrance garage level. This one's closed. You got to go down to the lower garage level. I'm like, God uh-huh. damn. So I walk in. I finally get there. I march right up to the traffic violations uh, kiosk, whatever it is. And I slap the citation down. I said, listen, I've got receipts. I've got photos. What do you want? I'm not paying this. 
And she said, oh, honey, this was issued by the county. You need to call the parks department because oh. you can't park overnight uh, on a parkway. It's like, what? What are we doing? It's right off of a main road. And she said, no, you parked on this parkway. And that's the parks department that issued that. So you have to give them a call. I'm in the elevator. <laughs> I'm calling the number she gives me on a post-it note because she's not going to give it to me and I type it into my phone like we're of course in the 21st not. century. No. no. Every city every city hall is stuck in the 1990s. So I get it on a post-it note. It like, is, though. It like, is. Have you seen the computers? There's, oh, no, there's no 21st century computer in any government building. Still. Absolutely horrible. So I, I call the parks department. Voicemail. Okay. I get voicemail. So Wait, I, what time of the day was it? Was it like, it was probably like, what, 1 p.m. in the middle of the afternoon? No, it was not 9 a.m. It was 10 a.m. I started this process at nine. It that's, took me an hour to get nowhere. That's prime answering the phone time for right. business. 10 a.m. Everyone's on the computer. Everyone's on their phone. Oh my God. You're not pissed off by the workday yet. <laughs> it's 10 a.m. Some still- people should actually be excited to get their first call. But this instead, awesome. oh, this kid's God. probably an asshole. Let's talk to him. <laughs> oh, so that's that. Let's talk about. Wait, wait, did you get it figured out? No, not yet. I'm waiting so, on a so callback. Still- oh yeah, I'm waiting on a callback. I went to voicemail. Um, I'm done with that now. Let's talk about Devin Williams punching a wall in celebration, and oh now one of the nastiest relievers in Major League Baseball is out for the postseason. The Airbender, the guy who. Didn't start off the season well, but has really had a fantastic second half and is a staple in the back end of that bullpen for the Milwaukee Brewers. Similar to Huascar Yanoa, who was out two and a half months after he punched a wall, there's a saying, the wall always wins. What are you doing, Devin Williams? What are you doing? You're about to go into the playoffs. The Brewers are in first place. And you were drinking or whatever you're doing on the side and you get angry and you punch a wall and I don't want to misquote him, but I think he just straight up said, yeah, it was my fault. If I could take it back, I would no shit. You'd take it back. Devin Williams, very irresponsible. And I'm coming at it in this way because I love Devin Williams so much and wanted to see him pitch in the playoffs, but the Brewers still have Josh Hader. They still got Brad Boxberger. They got a lot of dudes. And they even got, we've talked about this guy kind of underratedly. Aaron Ashby is this strong left-handed pitcher who I think they'll throw back in the bullpen. So just, God damn it, Devin. And you've got Lauer as your four. You've got three world-class pitchers ready to start games. And you've got a good pitcher ready to start a fourth with Ashby ready in long relief. And you've got Hater, Boxberger, Brent Suter's fine too. Jake Brett Cousins. Anderson, they still got thrown around. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's all okay. Yes. That would just put the Brewers bullpen over the top. And if yes. everybody could get the pitching staff through seven innings, right? If those starters could give you a strong six and you get Cousins or Suter or Boxberger throwing a good seventh, eighth is Devin Williams, ninth is Josh Hader, that's it, right? Wrap that thing up. Wrap that thing up. And my also, the Brewers will most likely play the Braves in the first round. The wild card team, which will be the Cardinals, and the Dodgers most likely is going to play the Giants. So it's going to be Braves-Brewers. Is that enough of an edge there for you to say, okay, the Braves really have a shot? 
No. You're shaking your head no. I sort of agree, but the Braves' bullpen has actually been really good. The addition of Richard Rodriguez has been very good to them. And their offense, their lineup, one to eight, the addition of Eddie Rosario, they have a freaking loaded team. It's really good. I don't think the rotation's good enough to win a playoff series. Let me tell you this. Charlie Morton only gets better when things get tough. Max Freed came off a Maddox. Well, before he threw his Maddox, which is a complete game shutout under 100 pitches, threw seven shutout innings. Then against the Phillies, he just had seven innings, one run. He's on top of his game. Charlie Morton's on top of his game. Ian Anderson is a solid three. I really think the Braves can compete with the Brewers at this point. Yeah, I just think that Brewers staff is so good. But so it took, good. It took yeah. a massive blow. And to quantify what you're saying about Devin Williams getting so much better in the second half, this is how bad this hurts. Yeah. First half of the year, Devin Williams had a 2.6 strikeout to walk rate. 52 strikeouts, 20 walks. He did not have good command whatsoever. In the second half, he doubled that strikeout to walk rate. So from 2.6 to 4.4, a little bit less than doubled. But let's talk about the actual, you know, splits here. Let's talk. 200 batting average against in the first half. That's down to 162 in the second half. OBP 322 in the first half. That's down 80 points to 244 in the second half. And then how about slugging? 342 in the first half, down to 216 in the second half. All in all, opponent OPS has dropped north to 200 points. You're losing one of the hottest relievers in all of baseball because he couldn't keep his hand out of a wall. Out of a freaking wall. First of all, we're getting into October. I understand players have their own lives and they got to enjoy it. I mean, they're professional baseball players. They have the world in front of them. They can do whatever they want. But give it, can you give it a week, please? Can we give it one week of just not going out and being like the Brewers and my team is going to be a playoff team and they need me? Dude, I mean, do you remember the high school quarterback would not play dodgeball in gym class because he needed his arm to be fine? Exactly. That's bigger than that. That's Devin Williams way- is a lot bigger than a high school quarterback. High school, high school football in Texas is maybe as big, but everywhere else. I mean, and that was a stupid joke. ML, like Devin Williams needs to be on the freaking field for the Milwaukee Brewers. I think it's a bigger blow. And I even, t- I even was on the Twitter sphere and I tweeted that Brandon Belt hurting his thumb is really going to hurt the Giants. But then I walked myself back. I was like, they actually might get better somehow because the Giants are just weird like that. But nobody is like the Giants. Nobody can just plug and play with every different split. Like you are losing not only one of the best relievers, but he's he's so hot right now, like you alluded to. You say nobody's plug and play. And then I look at Tampa and I'm like, they've been plugging and playing for 50 years. It feels like they haven't been around for 50 years, but they've been plugging and playing for 50 years. All right, let's talk breakout candidates with Colby Olsen. Peter abandoned this interview because he forgot his microphone. But Jack McMullen, Colby Olsen, we talk MLB breakout stars. We also talk NL MVP for a little bit. Colby, first and foremost, man, uh, you are micless. You're getting a mic. That's really exciting. You're officially a podcaster as soon as that comes in the mail. Absolutely. Um, Some big things on deck to come along with that mic. Um, I won't tease too much yet, but look out for something big in the future. 
You know, I know you're a big Red Sox fan. Peter and I are talking about the AL wildcard frenzy that is, but yeah, I, we got a text from Cam Carey, who does work with Just Baseball, also covers uh, some prep sports for the Boston Globe, and he said he was in Dunks, which is Dunkin' Donuts, uh, for all you Midwestern folk who didn't know that Dunkin' Donuts was Dunks, just like me, and he said that he overheard the cashier and somebody else saying, how do you lose to the bleeping Orioles? Like, what's, what's your panic level right now? My panic level is low, but you know me as a Red Sox fan. I'm like, you know, you wake up the next day and you win a baseball game. Like, don't panic because it's baseball. Anything happens. Yeah. Um, I think I can't panic right now. We came back out last night, beat the Orioles. We have four games left. If we go two and two, our odds of making the wild card are still high. Yeah. And I think we can go three and one. Like, I think we beat the Orioles tonight and then we finish out two and one against the Nationals. That just seems like, seems like the way we're going to do it. Yeah, I heard if you go one and three against the Orioles and the Nationals, then that's when you start to get screwed and that play-in tournament might actually happen. Like, I don't see you guys going one and three against the Washington Nationals and the Baltimore Orioles. No, absolutely not. And I think the big thing to think about right now is like the panic level shouldn't be making the wild card. The panic level should be, are we going to play at home? Because I think that's huge. In a wild card game, if you're at home, that, that changes it. That changes things. Yeah. Who would you throw in the wild card game? Sale? Um, well, right now it's slated to be Evaldi, which I actually think it's a great option to have Evaldi start the game. He's been the, the ace all year. Um, Sale was out. Sale is definitely not 100% yet. I think he's pitching at 90%. And, you know, 90% of Sale is still a ungodly. Pitcher. Like, he's a yeah. godly pitcher. Um, but the thing is, is if you do need Sale in that game 162, he's slated to throw that game 162 right now. Yeah. So it's good to have him as an option. If that game really does turn into a must win, you have sale. Then you go Eovaldi. Maybe you even save sale in the wildcard game to come out of the pen or something. There's a mm-hmm. lot of options there. We saw him close out the World Series just a couple of years ago and then he got hurt. Uh, let's talk breakouts because one of your breakouts that you highlighted on JustBaseball.com, really good article. Just go to Colby Olson. You'll see everything he writes and he's working at like a 60% clip. So 40% is like pretty dog shit, but the other 60% is pretty good. Um, I'm kidding. It's 100%. <laughs> don't worry. Uh, listen, Bobby Dalbeck made that list of breakout candidates in the second half. And we were talking about Bobby Dalbeck all the way through the all-star break. And we were saying, oh my God. This guy swings and misses all the time and it's no fun to watch and they need a first baseman and they go and get Schwarber at the deadline. And a lot of people think that the catcher now turned left fielder is going to be now turned first baseman. And then somehow with the snap of a finger, Bobby Dahlbeck just turns it on. What has Bobby Dahlbeck changed? Well, his approach has completely changed and to shout out The Athletic, there was an article in The Athletic two days ago that highlighted that when Schwarber was traded to the Red Sox, he kind of took Bobby under his wing. He said, let's change your approach. He gave him some tips and like has since really just taken him under his wing completely. And that's a huge impact. I mean, Schwarber's impact should not be, you know, less stated. That's huge. Um, but the thing that Dahlbeck has done is stop swinging at bad pitches. I mean, we've always known that Bobby Dahlbeck hits the piss out of the ball. I mean, the dude hits rockets, 115 miles an hour. I mean, it's like Stanton level, sub Stanton level, but close, you know? And now he's striking out 28% of the time, which is definitely sustainable from 
the Javi Baez level of 40% strikeouts that he was doing in the first half. Um, so that's been the biggest change. I think the, the second change that Dahlbeck has made is he's walking now. I mean, he was walking at a 3% clip, which is like bottom, bottom tier. Like, how do you do that that bad? you literally are swinging at like everything at that point. (laughs) Um, But now he's, you know, walking at like a 10% clip the last month and a half and has 150 WRC plus in the second half. Um, I think the thing with Bobby Dahlbeck is he creates some interesting options for the Red Sox now because JD Martinez is now 50, 50 on opting out of his opting in or opting out of his um, option at the end of the year. And then we have Schwarber as a free agent. Um, and then you have Dahlbeck. And then don't forget Tristan Casas waiting in the minor leagues right there at yeah. first base. So there's some interesting options for the Red Sox um, at first base and DH because they kind of have four options. And J.D. Martinez can really, you know, strike first and trigger a bunch of different, you know, scenarios for the Red Sox. Yeah, I, I love that tutelage point that you make about Schwarber taking Dahlbeck under his wing because – what Bobby Dalbeck was bad at in the first half was the walk rate, right? And Kyle Schwarber, yes, he's got a lot of swing and miss in his game. And I don't know how closely people are watching him with the Red Sox. I assume very. Uh, I obviously watched him pretty much every night when he was with the Cubs. And this guy was your 199 hitter, but hit the shit out of the ball. And Schwarber... Yes, he's got an OPS over 950 since joining the Red Sox. But this guy all year long is one of the best in baseball at laying off of pitches outside the zone. He's in the 88th percentile in chase rate. Yes, he's in the bottom 15% in strikeout rate, but he doesn't swing at bad pitches. He swings like nobody's watching, like he's trying to hit every baseball 600 feet, but when he takes the bat off his shoulder, it's in the zone. And if Dahlbeck can do that, that's 35 homers right there. I want to talk about another guy who kind of seems like Hank Aaron right now. Uh, Frank Schwindel, what the hell? What I've watched Frank Schwindel, and I can't make any sense of why he's leading the National League in hits in the month of September. But he is like, why is he leading the National League in hits in September? Unbelievable, right? I mean, this is a guy that is 29 years old, has not played in the MLB. For seven years, he was drafted, what, seven or eight years ago, finally gets his chance. Um, You know, I can't really make sense of how it happened, but I can make sense of what is happening. And Frank Schwindel is about the closest replacement to Anthony Rizzo that you can get. I mean, the dude strikes out only 16% of the time, walks 11% right now, and has juice. He has juice. I mean, this year he might end the year as a better hitter than Anthony Rizzo, which is crazy, but it's true. Um, So as a Cubs fan, if you are a Cubs fan, you should be absolutely amped because that's one less hole that they have to plug now. And he's only 29. Yeah. I think a lot of Cubs fans thought that it was a bad consolation prize to have the duo of Patrick wisdom and Frank Schwindel. Like, what are we doing here? We had Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and Javi Baez production wise you're never going to get there leadership wise you're never going to get there but a 30 year old rookie in Patrick Wisdom and a guy not too far behind the age category Frank Schwindel they're swinging a really good bat do you legitimately see a future in a Cubs lineup where all the prospects are up Brennan Davis Canario 
Chase Strumpf, whoever the hell, comes up. Nick Madrigal's healthy. So you've got the middle of the infield packed up with Horner and Madrigal. Are Wisdom and Schwindel in the starting nine on a nightly basis? Um, so Wisdom's a guy that I'm a little less high on. Uh, he strikes out a lot, a lot, a lot. And he's the 30. power is absolutely <laughs> legit, but he's a guy that, like, he's more of a hobby bias type uh, if you're, you know, comparing. Um, but Schwindel is absolutely a dude that fits in the middle of that lineup as a power guy. And, you know, it makes you wonder, do they go out and trade Wilson Contreras, who has been an amazing catcher this year, um, defensively and offensively, and then get a big haul and you just kind of restart. That's what I would do if I'm the Cubs right now, because I, I don't think their window is really open for the next, you know, it's going to take three, maybe even five years for them. Yeah, to get three back. was generous. Like it's going to take five years. I mean, I think you trade Wilson Contreras, you build up that farm. Alexander Canario looks like a stud. Yes. Um, Brennan Davis obviously is one of our favorite prospects. So, yeah, I mean, I, but I answering your question. Yes. Schwindel is absolutely going to stay in that lineup. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of Chicagoans also think that the Cubs just entirely blew it up already. And they didn't, they still have Wilson. They still have Kyle Hendricks. They still have some older pieces in that rotation, in that bullpen, I'm with you. They got to fully blow it up. One guy that you were kind of calling fiction with, with their breakout in the second half, Carter Keeboom. I remember before he was drafted, he was playing in that high school All-American game, that Under Armour All-American game. And I think he was the MVP of that game. And I said, wow, this dude's got a crazy good swing. And for a high school bat, he looks really solid. And then he was that blue chip prospect. And he stayed in the minors for a long time, yep. relatively speaking, a long time. And then he comes up and he's super underwhelming. And then he's fine now. I don't really expect anything crazy from him. What do you expect from Carter Keyboom? Um, well, first, before I answer that, I remember a time when Carter Keyboom was being talked about as a piece in a potential JT Real Muto deal. And they were saying the, the Nationals would not include him and the JT Real Muto deal, if that puts it into the context. Um, but yes, I agree. I do not think Carter Kaiboom's breakout in this second half is legit. And so let me preface this with, he hasn't really broken out, but the underlying stats say he might, um, but the power is just still not there. He's not hitting the ball hard enough. He's hitting a lot of ground balls, which is never sustainable. Look at all the guys in the league, like Eric Hosmer, that hit a lot of ground balls. No matter how hard you hit it, Cabrian Hayes is another one. Cabrian Hayes is absolutely another guy that, you know, he's the best defender in baseball this year at third base, which is crazy. But he hits the ball hard 50% of the time, hits ground balls 50% of the time, and that's the problem with him. Um, so this is the same problem that Carter Cobham's run into. And, yes, I don't think that he is a breakout candidate going into the future. Colby, real quick before you go, who's your NL MVP and why? Okay, so just did an analysis on this. Check it out at JustBaseball.com. Um, but my NL MVP is Bryce Harper. And that is not to say that Juan Soto has arguably been better than Bryce Harper this season. But the MVP award, in my mind, when there's a tie, basically. So by value, I create this stat called Total Runs Created. It combines WRC weighted runs yep. created and DRS defensive runs saved to basically give offensive de defensive value into one stat. Juan Soto 
and Bryce Harper are basically tied in this stat. Um, and at the end of the day, it's got to go to Harper. He's been playing in the more meaningful games, high leverage, high pressure games. Um, Juan Soto, you know, not to discredit his performance at all, has not been playing in those high leverage games. The Nationals have been out of it for a long, long time. Um, so Bryce Harper, NL MVP. But if you want more of the analysis, go check it out on JustBaseball.com. Yet with Soto, he hasn't been playing in any high leverage moment. With Harper, he's constantly playing in high leverage moments. He is clipping at the heels of the Atlanta Braves. Some nights it feels single-handedly like he's clipping at their heels. With Soto, he's playing very low-stress baseball. And I take that into account. I really do. You know, you've got people that are absolutely phenomenal on really bad teams. And they're putting up some insane numbers. But that's not the MVP. That's the best player. I think Juan Soto is the best player in the National League. I wouldn't necessarily say he's the most valuable player in the National League right now because look at it, they're still bad. With Shohei Otani, you you can't necessarily, because I'm flipping it to the AL hearing that, and I'm like, okay, well, the guy that's going to win most valuable player in the American League is on a team that is nowhere near the postseason. But with Shohei, like, if you plug him in anywhere, he's going to be a one or a two on every team in baseball, except the Dodgers and except the Brewers, probably. Uh, and he's also going to be your three hitting everyday DH. So like he is incredibly valuable with Soto. He's going to be the best hitter on any team that he's on, but does he take you over the top? Like Otani does. Yeah. Well, I think he does. I think the important thing to, you know, remember is I'm saying that Juan Soto and Bryce Harper are basically tied and it's like a tie goes to the runner situation. Yeah. The runner being Bryce Harper in this situation. Um, but say Soto was that much more valuable than Harper, then obviously it still has to go to Soto, but it's just too close to, to say. Um, but you bring up a great point about Otani. You really do. I, I, said, I say in this article that Otani on the mound has pitched 75% of the Indian, of innings that Garrett Cole has this season with basically the same ERA. So Otani is 75% of Garrett Cole on the mound and 50% better than league average at the plate. So that that's just insane. I mean, we can't even fathom what Otani is doing this year against the best talent that baseball has ever seen. Like this isn't 1930 where guys, you didn't have to throw hundred miles an hour with a nasty split finger fastball to get guys out and face that. (laughs) Right. What do you think the average fastball velocity was in 1920? Real quick, before we go. I have no idea what the answer is. I feel like it was like 82. I was going to say like, yeah, 85. It's got to be around there. I mean, I think guys were still throwing hard, but there were definitely guys that were like, oh, I'm just going to let the ball get put in play. You know, like that's just, that was baseball. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but that's just how baseball's changed over the years. Right. 82, 98. There's a big difference now. Colby <laughs> Olson, thank you so much, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Bryce Harper as the NL MVP. I think just baseball is on the Bryce Harper train for that. And it, I've been on it for a long time. I'm just starting to have Juan Soto thoughts creep into my mind more and more. Me too. I Now with the Phillies most likely out of it, it makes the discussion, I think, really, really close. Because statistically, you could kind of go either way. But I think if you are, if it's Bryce Harper by a landslide, that means the Phillies would have made the playoffs and they're not going to. I don't, I think it will 
I think it will be Bryce Harper. I think so. But once, can we say this, that Bryce Harper will be the MVP? But I think there's an undisputed second best player in baseball, and I think that's Juan Soto. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to say that too. You say Trout say one, that. Soto two. And he's creeping up in Troutland. I mean, he's got a chip. Yeah. He's saying he's got a chip. And from 2019 to 2021, I think he's got a 168 WRC plus. He turned I mean, 21 during the World Series, right? Yeah. Are you kidding me? This is, he is becoming one of the greatest hitters we've ever seen in our entire lives, right before our very eyes. At the ripe old age of four, it seems like. (laughs) He's 22 years old, and he's getting the Ted Williams comparison, and it feels like he's been in the league for eight years already. As soon as he entered the league, he was so far ahead of everybody, and now he's just trying – now he's just starting to really figure it out. I don't even know if he's all the way there yet. He's 22. No way he's got it all figured out. But what we do know is that – uh, I think everyone has seen the graph at this point, the 157 fastballs above the letters. Yeah. He didn't swing at any of them except for one, which I think he hit. It's just, it's hard to, we've been talking about him all year and we've been saying a bunch of different things about him. And at the end, now that we're in October, instead of going on so many more statistical rants, I think it's just fine to be like second best player in baseball, Juan freaking Soto. Yeah. And it sucks for Acuna because I think Acuna was the guy that we were arguing for to be the second best player in baseball just because he can do everything, but he's hurt. The thing is, what if Acuna stayed healthy and finished a year 40-40 and the Braves won, let's say he adds four more wins to their win total and they're an easy, like, then are we having a different discussion? He's the MVP. He's the MVP. Uh, I don't know. Yes, he is. (laughs) He might be. If he's 40-40 and the Braves win the division, he's the MVP. Yeah, because the Phillies wouldn't have because of Harper, and then obviously Soto wouldn't have. Yeah, he's the MVP. And that's not outlandish to say he could have gone 40-40 at all. He was going to. He was going to. So we're saying Wanda Soto undisputed. Acuna comes out next year is insane. We may have to change our tune. But I don't want, like, Juan Soto improving on defense kind of shooted him up a couple notches yeah who could have seen that coming he went from one of the worst defenders to an above average defender in right field in a season yeah that's how talented that guy is let's talk al wildcard let's talk al wildcard real quick to tie a bow on that bryce harper leads major league baseball in ops right now he's 31 points better than juan soto three guys with an ops at a thousand or above harper soto and Vladdy is right at 1,000 heading into play on Thursday, September 30. But now we talk AL wildcard because we're in October and there are still some spots up in the air. Oh my God. I'm looking at the standings right now. As we speak today, and we're talking on Thursday, September 30th, the Yankees are 90 and 68. They have the first spot in the wildcard. They're a game up above the Red Sox, who are 89 and 69. The freaking Seattle. Mariners look at them go look at the standings and look at the Seattle Mariners 89 and 70 they're a half game back with a negative 48 run differential they shouldn't be here but they believe and that clubhouse is obviously super tight-knit and they're figuring it out every day I've said this once I'll say it again they're the best teams 
the best team as an underdog this year. They just won again yesterday and they won the day before both as underdogs and they're underdogs again today. And then we have the Toronto Blue Jays who just beat the Yankees last night. And then they have Robbie Ray pitching today, which you will hear about that start tomorrow. The Blue Jays are they're favored and they're most likely going to win that game. I wouldn't say it's a lock by any stretch of the imagination. The Yankees can still figure out a way to win. They just beat Ryu the other day. They can beat a lefty, but it's going to be close because Corey Kluber is on the mound for the Yankees. It's it's (laughs) crazy. It's crazy. I don't know what to say. It's crazy. Uh, I'm proud of you for not saying Ryu. You've got it down. Ryu. Seattle's nine and one over their last 10. They've won four in a row. When Kelnick hit that two-run double in the sixth two nights ago, Mm -hmm. I mean, I jumped out of my couch. Jumped. Why are the Mariners getting me so fired up? I really want them to make it. Me too. So badly. Get out of here, Red Sox. Get out of here, Blue Jays. I mean, obviously, Yankee fandom want the Yankees to win. Right. I'm an objective journalist. Yeah, yeah. No, you're credentialed. You were credentialed, credentialed earlier this week for a Mets game. Uh, that was you fantastic. Decided to sit there and watch three hours of Mets Marlins. Oh, I loved it. First of all, two hours and 39 minutes flew by. No so quickly. way. Taiwan Walker was throwing a one hitter. The Mets were winning 2 0. I was like, okay, the Mets are easily going to win this game. Taiwan Walker actually looks fantastic. I'm, I'm curious how he's going to do next year. He gets taken out. <laughs> Mets instantly blow it. <laughs> Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo. God. It's a meaningless game, but it's like, oh, Mets. Like, you, you were, it's the Marlins. You're at home. You have Taiwan Walker against Eliezer Hernandez, who's been fine, but he's going to ERA in your six, and you blow it. And you just, just like the whole season. Did you see Marcus Stroman, his dog, taking his yeah. shit on the field? Yeah. On city? Why do you post that on his Instagram? I don't know, but that poop looked very light. He's got he's to gotta watch his dog's diet there. Right? Very light. <laughs> and something that is hilarious can we go over the september hit leaders please yes you had the national league and you posted it on twitter i've got the american league ready in the barrel to fire at you but let's walk through the national league first let's walk through the national league and full disclosure i have no idea who the al hit leaders are i just looked at the national league and saw that list decided to tweet it and as soon as I did, I texted Jack, get the AL hit leaders ready because I bet it's going to be as weird of a list as this. Number one in September hit leaders in the National League, Frank Schwindel of the Chicago Cubs, the 30-year-old beast, has 40 hits in the month of September. Number two, Juan Soto, of course, 38 hits in the month of September. Number three is the legend, Alcides Escobar. He won a chip with the Royals, right? Yeah. World champion, Alcides Escobar, the shortstop for the, uh, I don't I assume he's, he's playing some shortstop. He's playing probably all over the place. He's in Washington. Washington. He might be catching. <laughs> he might be catching. You never, you never really know. And someone that we have been hating on for a while. He got a hit last night. He got multiple hits last night. Javier Baez of the New York Mets has 35. So to go to recap, Frank Schwindel, Juan Soto, Alcides Escobar and Javier Baez are your September hit leaders. I need you to not slander Frank Schwindel because I just talked about him with Colby. 
Schwindel is 29 years old. He's not 30. Patrick Wisdom is the 30-year-old rookie. Hold on. Hold on. The Cubs have a 29-year-old rookie and a 30-year-old rookie that are their two best players right now. Hey, anything to do to win, man. I don't don't know. I mean, they're they're hitting. They're hitting. There's no debate on that. They are hitting. Will it continue? Just stop winning. I want Cade Cunningham. Stop winning. (laughs) Wrong sport. Oh, damn, my bad. Uh, By the way, Cade Cunningham, Detroit Piston. I totally forgot that Luca Garza was a second-round pick for the Pistons. That's kind of kind of a good draft. Yeah, that's a good draft. I love Uh, Luca Garza at Iowa. I'm so good. Big fan. Tyler Hansborough-esque. Oh, yeah. And Garza, newfound vegan, much like Justin Fields. Mm. Well, Justin Fields. God. <laughs> I did you, me- wait, before we even move on to the yeah. ale, did you see that viral stat that Justin Fields had 0.78 seconds in the pocket and that the Bears just screwed, the Bears O-line just screwed him over? Dan Orlovsky said it and it kind of went viral. Did you see that? Yeah, Orlovsky, he and Rex Ryan combined to have the best take on the Fields Matt Nagy Bears situation that happened this past week. That was horrible. That was watching a train wreck. But the stat was just wrong. Someone else did a deep dive. It was like 2.4 seconds. I, I don't know where he got 0.78. I, I agree. Think- I usually like them. It was just, I looked at it, it was just wrong. I don't think Dan Orlovsky said that. Orlovsky was talking about the the number of dropbacks that Fields had and how many moving pockets he had. The way, I guess the way I I heard it, or maybe it was the way people took it and then I didn't do, because I watched it and I was like, oh, and then I saw the stat and I just kind of, I guess, didn't think about it. But I'm here to report that it wasn't 0.7 seconds in the pocket because that's, they're not blocking. How, right. You can get someone in 0.7 seconds. Right. Seven seconds. They were kind of blocking. Not sort of. really, which is kind of like the Jets. Two seconds. Um, all right. Let's talk about the AL hit leaders. And then we'll tie a bow on this thing. There are two tied for four. Do you want me to count up or count down? I went uh, up to you. Okay. You went one to five or one to four. One to four. I'm going to go two fours to one. Okay. Two-way tie, 35 hits in the month of September between the Kansas City Royals, Andrew Benintendi, and the Seattle Mariners, J.P. Crawford. Dude! (laughs) Two-way tie for second, 36 hits in September. Bo Bichette of the Blue Jays and Luis Robert of the White Sox, who, by the way, is a massive reinsertion as the White Sox head into October. He's one of the best hitters on the White Sox. No doubt. One of the best hitters in baseball. You think so? I mean, he's getting there. His swing, dude. And he's such a good defender, too. He's just a fantastic player. He's unbelievable. And he is built like a wide receiver. Yep. Luis Robert, let's give you his career numbers right now. He's played 121 games in his career. His 162-game average, if you move it out to that, He's hitting 298 with an 862 OPS on track for 31 bombs, 96 RBIs, and 20 stolen bases. And you got to remember, he's an elite defender. This guy's going to win a gold glove. I don't know about this year, but he will win a gold glove in his life. Multiple gold gloves. He won it in 2020. Exactly. I even forgot. I forgot. To be quite honest, I totally forgot he won one in 2020. He's going to win more. So Robert and Bichette are tied at two. 37 hits 
pacing the American League in the month of September. Nicky Lopez of the Kansas City Royals. Damn, another amazing defender. One of the best defenders at shortstop in all of baseball. Nicky Lopez deserves a lot more love. He's had a really good year. I wonder what they're going to do in the middle infield with Bobby Witt Jr. coming up. They have a very interesting offense to come. With Whit Merrifield, he's probably going to move to a corner, I think. Lopez is going to be at second, but where do you put Mondesi then? And then Whit's at saying. short. Man, that's tough. And they just signed Michael Taylor to an extension. They love the glove. And the, I think their belief is with MJ Melendez, Nick Prado, um, Bobby Wood Jr. coming up that, you know, the glove is what matters. I don't know if the they don't really care if he's going to hit as long as he can just keep playing gold glove level defense in center field. Let's walk through this possible 2022 Royals offense. MJ Melendez is the catcher. Sal Perez is the DH. Mm-hmm. Now around the diamond, first to third, first base Prado. Mm-hmm. Second base, let's say Nicky Lopez. Fair. Or Mondesi, either one. Shortstop Bobby Witt Jr., just baseball's Fire. number one prospect. Dog. Hunter Dozier at third base. Big burly man that can kind of hit. Take it. You can put Benintendi in left. I think he's got one more year of arbitration. Pretty good player. Michael A. Taylor in center. Good defender. Great defender. And then in right, whoever the hell, I don't care. Put Mondesi out there. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe Taylor to right and Mondesi to center because he's faster. But Taylor's such a good defender in center. You can't move him off. And they got these young pitchers. They got a lot of them. Asa Lacey, their first round pick. He's going to come up too. I don't know how great he'll be, but they still have a lot of guys. The Royals are up and coming. And remember that uh, our bet over under 73 and a half. They're at yeah. 73 currently. Let's go, man. One more. You can't, you can't one more. We got a couple of games left. We need one more Royals. Can't finish cold. He's at Peter Apple 23. I'm at Jack underscore McMullen 11. We are at just BB Media on Twitter at just baseball fans on TikTok, Instagram, and on Twitch, twitch.tv slash just baseball fans. We've got a Discord. Find us there at just baseball. We've got a YouTube. Go watch our interviews. Go watch our uh, hangouts, all of our conversations with that. Um, like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review. Tell us what you like. And anything? Thank we've you, everybody. A, we've got a website. Also, shout out Salvador Perez, 48 home runs. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody.